Feel free, Brooklyn. Good morning. Good morning, people. How are you? Ah, we're here another day, right? This is Sunday. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I'm your host, Kay Edwards. I hope everyone is doing wonderful on this Sunday morning. But let me get the housekeeping out of the way. You know Radio Free Brooklyn is having their fundraiser. It's our birthday coming up in May. And we're trying to raise $25,000 so that we can continue to bring you commercial-free independent radio. So if you want to give a donation, you can go to our page, RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, click on the Donate button, or you can go to my show page, What Would Kay Say? Click on the Donate button, or you can text RFBGIVE, the number 5, to 44321. 
If you want to call us and tell us happy birthday, our number is 718-673-8201. And if you want to call me today, my number is 718-928-9732. Excuse me. Okay. So with everything going on, it seems like from Sunday to Sunday, everything just seems to intensify. Last week we were talking about COVID-19. Now, with everything that's happening, it's here. It's definitely here in New York City. The mayor has declared a state of emergency, like the governor did when I said last week, where he did it for the state, but now de Blasio did it for the city. Everyone's becoming anxious concerning the situation. And for the most part, I get it. Because you can't blame people for getting, you know, nervous, given what the uncertainty is surrounding this virus. Um, and just how it spreads. And, and we don't know how long it's going to be here. And everyone's taking precautions now. And I think, although we had been speaking about it two weeks, almost three weeks prior to all this frenzy, people weren't really paying attention. Because I think people here in the city were thinking about it being far off and being someplace else. But now that it's here, and plus with the mayor getting on air saying whatever is happening in the city, I think people are really now paying attention because the streets are like deserted. Besides the fact of all the sporting events have been canceled, Madison Square Garden, Broadway, the Barclay Center, all those places are shut down. Movie theaters can only be filled to half capacity because you got to give the space. You have to have ample amount of space between people in order to not catch it, if catch whatever someone has. Restaurants, I believe, have to do the same thing. They can't be filled to capacity, have everyone sitting on top of each other. So it's it's really changing the way we know life or how we have lived life in the past, at least for the moment, will it ever go back to being the way that it was? Of course, they're going to go back to playing sporting events. And of course, the Barclays and Broadway is going to open up again. But how we move in those places now, is that going to change? See, that's what we have to think about. Has it now changed the dynamic of how we act when we come together in a group? So that's something to be seen. It's just, who knew that when the ter- when we were getting all excited about, oh, it's a new decade, it's a new decade, it's a new decade. Who knew that this was going to be <laughs> the opener for our new decade? I mean, bam, we were just thrust right into it. It's like, okay, you got a new decade, boom, deal with this. Is like, hello, but hey, here we are. And that's why today's topic is so fitting, taking our current situation. I want to talk to you about fear. How do you handle it? Do you have it? And what do you do to get over it? Now, you know, I love Merriam-Webster. They define fear as a painful emotion 
or passion excited by an expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. Another um, another uh, dictionary defines it as fear expresses less apprehe- apprehension than dread and dread is less than terror and fright. So when you go through when you go through those it's like, "Oh, okay." Fear to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. And that's really where we're at today. That's really where excuse me, the world is where we as individuals might be at this very moment with the fear of, you know, being afraid of something that is dangerous and threatening. But, like I said, I present the problem and then we always try to find a solution. According to the Bible, 2 Timothy says, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now, Paul, when you go when Timothy, the letters that were written to Timothy was written by Paul, and he's explaining to Timothy, he's actually preparing Timothy and telling him not to be afraid of the ministry that he's about to walk into. So Paul is reminding Timothy of what God has given him in order for him to go and start his ministry to the people, that God has given him the power to use his gift. He's given him the power to love the people that he's going to be ministering to and to show them love and to teach them about love. And he also has given him with the sound mind to know how to use his gifts properly so that he can understand when he's connecting with the people. So Paul is reminding Timothy of all these things. And God has also given us all those things as well. We need to remember that he's given us the power to use our gift. He's given us the love in our hearts to be able to express that towards others. And he's also given us the ability to use our mind, to use our discernment, to understand situations and what is going on and how to react in them. Now, when I think about that, when I think about the meaning of fear, and when I think about 2 Timothy 1 and 7, a year ago, This weekend, and I'll say, okay, this weekend, a year ago, Friday, which was the 13th of March, last year, on the 13th of March, in the morning, I was a victim of a home invasion. Now, a lot of people don't know that. Some of my people that, you know, are close, they know that, but a lot of people don't know that I was a victim of a home invasion last year this time. And I'm sure when you hear that, 
of course, with me speaking about fear, you can just almost imagine whatever it is that you imagine when you hear someone say that. But there's something I want to tell you. And there's a there's always there's always a whole thing to this story. But when it's hap- when it happens, you don't see it. It's not until later on when you take the breath and you stand back and you look, then you understand the situation. Now, I live in a four-story brownstone. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty high building. So I'm on the top floor. This is how I'm going to set up the whole thing for you. I had um, the night before, for whatever reason, to this day, I can't even explain it. I don't know why. And even when I was thinking back that whole night when I was, I had gotten ill. Let me just start from the beginning. I, I got sick the night before. I could not explain why I had gotten sick. And it wasn't like I got sick the night before because like I ate dinner and then, oh, I wasn't feeling well. It actually woke me up out of my sleep. So it was actually the morning of. Because, you know, the morning starts 12 midnight, 12 a.m. starts the new day. So it was like about 1.30 a.m. March 13th, I was awakened and I just felt sick. And when I say sick, it's like this. You know how when you get like, say, a stomach virus and you just feel like the worst? But what happened to me was when I woke up, it's like I had been in the stomach virus for a number of hours That's how I felt when I initially woke up because I woke up feeling like I had went to bed feeling sick and I did not go to bed feeling sick. And I was hot and I had like a fever and I was like all the symptoms that go with that, I had it. And it was like multiplied on top of me and I could not understand why did I feel like this. So I was up and I was uncomfortable and I was trying to take all these different things to feel better and I was back and forth, back and forth. It wasn't until about... I'd say about 5.15 or so that my body was like, okay, I can go to sleep now. If I just go to sleep, you know how you tell yourself, if you just can go to sleep, you'll feel better. I finally got that feeling where, oh, I think I could go to sleep so I could, whatever this is that came on me, it can pass. As I'm lying there, you know, you go through these different stages of sleep. So I was sleeping, but I guess maybe I wasn't sleeping that deeply, but I was sleeping enough to know that I was happy that I was able to be asleep for a moment. And then all of a sudden I heard, I started hearing these noises. And at first I thought I was dreaming. I heard these loud noises, like somebody was trying to take something out of a closet or something. And I'm like, what is this banging? You know, what, what are they doing outside? You know, what is going on? Not knowing what time it is. And I had only been asleep. Now, thinking back and after it had happened, I had only been asleep for 15, maybe 20 minutes, but it felt like I was asleep for hours. So when I got up to see what the noise was, I opened my bedroom door and this voice speaks to me from the hallway and tells me to go back to bed because I'm groggy. And me, being groggy probably, I close the bedroom door, but the spirit tells me to lock it. 
So I close the bedroom door and I lock it. But then I stand there because by then I'm, I'm on my feet for a minute. And I'm like, who was that talking to me? So I flip on the bedroom light. And when I flip on the bedroom light, I guess the light came from under the door that it alerted him like, "Uh uh-oh, she's awake. So I hear these feet running down the steps. And at that point, now I am awake. And I'm like, who is that in my house? What is going on? Because at that point, I knew I should have been in the house alone. So I'm automatically going to panic mode. So I pick up my phone. I call the police. I'm on the phone with the operator. She's like, I'm going to stay with you. And that's one thing. This whole, this entire ordeal has given me a different perspective of the police department, of the 911 system, the operators. Shout out to the operators that have to deal with emergency calls every day because they are definite troopers. I mean, I was on that phone. She, I guess she heard the sound of terror in my voice. All she kept telling me was, I'm going to stay on the phone with you until they, do you still, I said, I don't hear him, but I think he went down the steps. She's like, is the door locked? I said, the door is locked. I said, I'm, she says, do not open the door. She said, I'm going to stay on the phone with you until the police arrive. And she actually stayed on the phone with me. And she told me they're outside your door right now. And I opened the window. I threw the keys out. They came in. They swarmed. It must have been about 20 cops in my house. They were up and down basement. They went to because my basement is not an actual basement. It's actually like a garden apartment basement. So they were downstairs. They went in the backyard. They were all through the house looking through closets, everything. He was gone. Thank God he was gone. But needless to say, we I found out what noise it was that had woke me up. He was trying to get something. He was trying to get something out of the closet. But because the way it was angled, he could not get it out. So he kept dragging it. And that was the dragging and banging that woke me up. But when I look back over the entire ordeal, that week afterwards, it seemed like, Everything I was seeing on the news was about home invasions. Oh, this person came into the house at whatever, 3 o'clock in the morning, and the woman and the daughter was there, and the daughter had to fight the guy off the mother, and or the guy was out doing something with his car, and another guy snuck into the house while the guy was doing something with his car, and it was in the morning, and he heard his wife screaming, and he ran back in the house to do whatever. All those instances... When I think about the fact that I was in the house alone and this guy was in there with me, I don't know how many of them that there were because it could have been, he could have been upstairs. I don't know who could have been downstairs. But the fact that when he saw me when I opened the door and he actually told me to go back to bed, that was nothing but God. God's hand was in that entire situation. He was controlling everything that was going on. From the time that I felt ill in the morning, because had I not have felt fell ill, I would have been sleeping sound through the whole thing. I might not have heard 
the noise or if I did hear the noise, I would have gotten up and had a different a different approach because I would have had my strength. It would have just been me waking up saying what is going on and I would have just been I would have been myself. But with me being sick, that made me weak. So in my weakness, it made me respond differently. Like when I got up out the bed, I was actually walking very slow because I was trying to figure out what is going on. I'm not feeling well. I don't want to get up out this bed. But all that he orchestrated so that even when the guy saw me, even his perspective was different. His perspective wasn't even, oh, she's awake now. Let me attack her. I don't even know if he knew I was in the room. I don't know if he had looked in the bedroom and saw that I was asleep and still just continued to do whatever it is he was going to do. I don't know if I startled him when I opened the door. I don't know. I don't know any of those things. But it seemed like, like I said, when I was asleep, it seemed as though I had been sleeping for hours. That's just how tired I was. But the fact that when when I go back over the the, like the transcript, like with the, when I called the police, by the time they got there, it was only a matter of maybe half hour from when I had really dozed off to sleep. So in that short space of time, everything that God had put together for my safety, for my protection, it's just, it's amazing. I thank God every day that that right there, I said, there's oh, people always say, I've always heard people say, you'll always know when God is in your, when God is there and when he shows up for you because of certain situations that are in your life. It could be through sickness. It could be through, sometimes it's financial, you know, it, it's just, you never know what situation is that turning point for you. And not to say that, I wasn't invested in God because we all know, you know, I was invested from, I told you my story from before. So when this had taken place, this had, had taken place at a time where I was totally invested in God. There was no questioning, there was questioning, there was no wavering about how I knew how God's power worked, his goodness and his mercy and his grace. There was no questioning that in my mind. But that situation showed me another side of him. And that's one thing he will always do. You'll get to know him, but in your knowing him, he makes sure that you don't get too comfortable, whereas you just get complacent in him. He will always show you another side of him, but only when it's when you're ready. When, when you've gotten to a place where he's like, okay, she knows me as that. So if I, maybe I was getting a little too complacent or maybe it was just him trying to show me, you know what? There's certain arenas, certain levels that I'm going to take you to that may put you in certain situations that you're going to have to be prepared for. But regardless of what it is, I'm showing you that I'm there with you. Regardless of how it looks around you and what's happening, you don't have to be afraid because I'm always there with you. And that's what I got out of that. That entire situation, all I could say after the police left was, 
oh my God, I just was walking through that house, praising him, thanking him for the covering that he had on me. And it just reinforced in me the purpose that I know that he has for me. Because if he didn't have a specific purpose for me, the enemy would not have tried to come against me like that. But even in him trying to come against me, knowing that God is in control of all things that happens in my life, he could only take it to a certain point. He was able to take it to the point of putting fear in me for the moment, but he couldn't touch me. And that's the one thing that I get out of that whole ordeal. He could not touch me because for that guy to stand there in the hallway and tell me to go back to bed where he could have just as easily charged at me and did whatever, he couldn't. He could only take it to the point of, I'm going to let you know that she's here. She's going to know that you're here. And then whatever else happens after that, I'll deal with that with her. But when I say about fear, and for a moment, I was very afraid to stay in my house. I did not want to stay in my house by myself. I don't care what time of the day it was. It could be broad daylight, sunshine and birds chirping, dogs barking, kids playing in the street. I did not want to be in that house by myself. So, of course, you know, like I've been you, I've been living there over 30 years, never had experienced anything like that. But what it did tell me was God was telling me times are changing. Although you felt comfortable living where you were and everything that was going on, you need to now take additional precautions to protect yourself. So it showed me the parts of my house that were vulnerable because he got in, I believe, through a window and he must have scaled the side. I don't know how he got in. To tell you the truth, I really don't. And we stand out there and we look and we're like, well, how did he get in this house? But nevertheless, he did. And he did he didn't get what he wanted out of the closet, but he did get a number. He got a lot of other things, valuable things out the house. But at that point, their material, I could always replace those. That didn't even matter to me what he got. The fact that I still had my life and that nothing had happened to me physically was the, was the blessing. Because everything else that he took, I could always replace. I'm not even worried about that. Yes, I was annoyed at first, like, because you feel violated. You, that's the first thing you feel is violated. Like, oh, my gosh, somebody came into my personal space, a stranger, and they did these things to me. But I said, you know what, God? It's just things. It's just things. I just thank God that I'm even here to tell the story. And the fact that God showed me, okay, you now have to do certain things in your home to make it secure for you and your family. So, of course, now I have a security system. You know, we have the floodlights. We have the cameras, the whole nine yards. So that has brought, a you know, a level of comfort for me now. But there are instances that sometimes the enemy tries to bring it up in me again, like, oh, you know, you remember what happened to you when. But then I have to say, yeah, I remember what happened to me when, but I also remember what my God did. And there's no way you're going to come at me like that again. There's just no way. So now he'll try. I'm sure he's going to try other things. But because God has shown me that he is there with me, regardless of what goes on in my life, in danger, 
in everything, now I have that comfort that, you know what? I don't have to worry about this because God's got me. God has got me. So when you think about the fear that might come on you with whatever it is, whether it be this virus because of the unknown, whether it be something that has to do with your job, something that has to do with maybe a family member, maybe someone sick. Um, it could be with school. Some kids might be fearful of whether they're going to pass or not. Are you going to get a, a good job after you graduate? You know, just different things. Fear comes on us in so many different forms. And it doesn't have to be something as dramatic as a home invasion. Like I would have never in a million years thought about a home invasion. I've had fear of other things that, you know, but whatever it is, just know that God is always there. He's always there. And he's always going to be there. So because of the plan that God had for my life and because of the plan that he has for your life, always remember that there's no weapon that could be formed against you. It's going to prosper. There's no weapon, no matter which way the enemy tries to come at you, he's not going to succeed. Once you have Christ in your life, you're covered with the blood. You believe that God is who he is. He's going to do what he said he's going to do which is always protect us. He said he would be with us always till the end of time. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. So once you can remember those things, whenever you get afraid and you just say those things to yourself, like, you know what? I don't even know why I'm afraid right now. Because no matter what happens, God is in control of everything. And the one thing that it reminded me of is the enemy can't take me out because I hadn't finished what God had purposed for my life. So I know that until I'm finished doing what God has purposed for my life, I'm not going anywhere. Yes, things will come at me. Yes, there will be other forms that will try to attack me. Like, okay, this is what Isaiah 54, 7. 54.17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is in me, saith the Lord. So God was saying, don't even worry about anything that's formed against you. Don't even worry about anybody that's speaking harshly about you, negative about you. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. I got you. That's exactly what he's saying there in that, in that scripture. That's exactly what he's saying. Don't even worry about them. Don't worry about what they're going to do. Don't worry about what they're going to say. Don't worry about what you might think that they're planning to do or say. I got this. And when I think about that, I'm like, you know what, God, you do have this. You have this better than I could have it because you see things that I don't see. You see things that people are thinking, plotting, scheming. I don't see that. I can't be everywhere. I'm just where I'm at. I'm right here at Bogart Street this morning. I don't know what somebody's doing on my block. I don't know what somebody's doing even outside this building. I don't know what's going on because I can't be there. But he can. He knows what's going on. And he's controlling every facet of our lives. So 
when I think back to 2 Timothy, the devil was trying to steal my gifts. He was trying to stop my gifts because last year was right about the time. It was actually going into the whole, I was actually going through the process of, I had left the job in December. So, you know, January and February, I was still like mm, teetering. Okay, I did this. What's my next moves? What's going to go on? And I started getting all these different ideas. Oh, maybe I could do this. Oh, maybe it's going to come that way. Maybe I'm going to try this. I'll try my hand in that. I'll see, dabble with this. All those things was coming to my mind. I was very excited about what I was going to be doing to get my purpose off the ground. And then boom, this happens. So when I look back, thinking about Timothy, what Paul was saying to Timothy about the power that I have, he was, the enemy was fearful that I would take that power that I was given, use it with my gifts, which I'm doing now, speaking, and I wouldn't empower others. My voice is lifting up others, is encouraging others. He doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want anyone to be encouraged. He wants everyone to walk around fearful. He wants everyone to feel like they're lost and they're hopeless and there is no use for them anywhere. But we know better than that. That's why we're here every Sunday. We know better. The life we live is better. God is in control. God has us on our journeys and we're all going to get to the place where he wants us to be because that's what he created us for. We, like I said, we're not just created here to take up space. We're all created here to do something. And the enemy doesn't want that to happen. So when he comes at you, he's coming at you because he's trying to attack your gifts. He doesn't want you to complete your journey. He's trying to attack your gifts. He's trying to take your power. But we won't allow that. So here, here's the solution. See, we have the problem. The problem is the enemy attacking you to take your power to make you fearful, to make you be quiet, to make you just want to, oh, I'm just going to do what I need to do, keep your head buried in the sand. But that's not what children of God do. We're the light. So if there's darkness out there, we've got to be there so that people can see. When you have darkness, if there's no light and everything is completely dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. But when you're light, when we show up, when the people of God show up, you automatically illuminate everything that was dark, whether you think you're illuminating it or not. Let me tell you something. Spirit's no spirit. When you show up in a place, trust me, the enemy knows when you're there. You could just be, oh, I'm just doing what I normally do. I'm going to get coffee in Starbucks. But trust me, if there's spirits in there, that aren't good, they know when you walk through that door. And how I can how I can tell you that this is true, and usually everything I tell you is because I've experienced it. When I was working and I had to take the train, I would take the train to go to work. I knew when there was a spirit nearby in the train car with me, on the platform, because as soon as I would walk into the train car, I felt it. I felt it because I would either have the eyes look at me or they would turn away. See, sometimes 
it, in the beginning, and this is how you know the, how you've elevated in levels. In the beginning, when I would get on the train and I would feel it, and I'd be like, oh, this car feels funny. But I didn't know what it was that was making me feel funny. But I was feeling uncomfortable. You know, I just get that, mm, maybe, I may, maybe I need not sit here or mm, maybe I need, I need to go to another car. People call it their sixth sense. I call it my spirit. That's the Holy Spirit telling me, mm, just be aware. Don't be afraid, but be aware. So I would get into a car and I may see people looking at me sideways. And I'm like, why are you looking? It's six o'clock in the morning. Why is anybody looking at anybody sideways? Everybody should be sleeping. But when I saw that, and I'd be like, why are they looking at me funny? You know, and I would just turn my head and not pay any attention. But then after I started experiencing that enough, I said, wait a minute. Then after reading and understanding, I said, okay, when I show up, they get uncomfortable because they don't know what I'm there to do. Me, I don't think I'm there to do anything, but I don't know. But they don't know either. They just know that I'm there. And once I'm there, it's opposition to what they're there for because they know what they're there for. They're there to cause havoc. But they don't know when light shows up, what is the light there to do? Is the light going to stop the havoc? Is the light going to squash the havoc? You know, they don't know. So when I started getting on the train again and I would see them, if they looked at me, most of the time after that, I would already get into the train prepared because I already knew what I might encounter. So, of course, I'm always prayed up when I leave my house. But when I would get into the train station, as soon as I'm walking down the steps, I'm like, not today. You demons will bow to me because I'm not having it this morning. And when I went in there with that authority and that power, I would see people look. But if I looked at them, they'd turn the other way. I'd get on the train. I'd sit down. I'd walk into the car. Before I even sat down, I'd just stand there and I'd look around because I wanted to see, well, where am I going to sit? And as I'm standing there to look around, of course, people are looking like, okay, why is she standing there? But I'm standing there looking like, okay, where do I want to sit? And they would look at me. And if I caught eye contact, if it was someone who was a like spirit, you know, you'd get a smile or you'd get a good morning. But if it was somebody who, mm, they would quickly turn their head. And I'd say, okay, so now I know. I know where you are here in the car. You know that I'm here in the car. You stay on your side, and I'm right here. I'm here, but you stay where you're at because I didn't come in here for you. But if you want me to come at you, I do have the power within me to come at you. But see, that's the difference with when he tries to bring that fear on you, it's because he wants to squash that light that you have. Because when you do show up in a place, they know you're there. And as you grow in him and you grow in this journey and knowing what your purpose is, you'll be very much aware where there's spirits there that are there counter to what you're there for. Because when you show up someplace, you're just there to be happy. You know, if you could inspire someone at the moment, or like I always say, be a blessing to others. That's what you walk in to do. You don't walk in to cause disruption. So that all those things have taught me when I start to feel fearful, because it's like I said, it's not like as if he won't try to bring fear on me. 
But when I feel that it's starting to come on me, I always remember God is in control. Nothing could happen to me that he hasn't said, okay, I'll allow you to do this to her, but to a certain extent. And it's also to toughen me up so that I can be prepared to move to my next level. Because whatever, with, with every level becomes bigger problems. So if I've already, if I'm comfortable at one level where I'm able to handle problems in and out, in and out, you know, the Holy Spirit showing me and I'm dealing, I'm dealing. Then he's like, okay, now I could take her to the next one because she's comfortable here. But when you get into the next one, of course, it's a new, it's a new space for you. So you're like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this. Oh, I don't know if I can do this. You know, how do I interact with it? And you, it's just a learning process. But like I said, we always have that we present the problem. And now here's the solution. The solution to fear is faith. I'm sure a lot of you have already come to that conclusion before I said it with everything that I've been talking about. But that's what counters, counteracts fear. Faith. When you believe, like I said, when you believe that you know to whom you belong, when you believe that what God has said for your life and everything about you and all the things that he's promised to you. And that's one thing you need to do too. In order to build up your faith and to truly understand and to build up just your, your spirit man so that you can have confidence when you do things, you need to read up on the promises of God. You need to read up on the things that he's promised to you so that you could just say those things over in your head. It's not, okay, like when we made our, when we were talking about writing down what we wanted in our journals or on little notes, you know, scribble notes and put it on the the, uh, mirror or the wall or whatever, just to words of confidence to reinforce us in our journey in what we're doing in our five-year plan. What we also need to do is, rather than just using our own words for encouragement, get scripture because his words are true. His words are not going to die. His words will never return to him not completed and not completed doing everything that he spoke it to do. So if you get the promises of God that he said to you, like one for right off the top of my head, because there's so many of them. And maybe every week I'll come in with another promise just to give to you so that if you want to write it down, that'll be another thing that you can remember that he said. But just this one off the top of my head, when I had said from before, he said he would never leave you or forsake you. He said he would never leave you. So even if you think about that, In any situation where you feel fearful, you know you're not there alone because God said he would never leave me. He said he would never leave me. So even if you stand there and tell yourself that the entire time that you're afraid, regardless of what's going on, and it could be happening right there at the moment, but if you're standing there telling yourself, he said he would never leave me, so I am not here alone, that right there gives comfort to your spirit. That right there gives comfort to your spirit. Or if you want to 
And this is not even, well, this could be a promise as well, that he said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. If you just say that over in your head, you know what? God said that nothing that is formed against me is going to work. God said that nothing that's formed against me is going to work. If you just tell yourself that in a given situation where you feel, when you feel fearful, it brings a peace to your spirit. So it's the little things that we can take that if you just write, and like I said, I, I believe I'm going to do that. I'm going to start every week to bring in another promise so that we can just go over it because sometimes you need those promises to reinforce your spirit so that you do remember how he said he was never going to leave you so that you do remember that he is always with you regardless of what is happening. And that's the thing that sometimes because we're human, when we get afraid, we forget everything. We just, we're just like, Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? What am I going to, we panic. And when we get into that panic state, when you start to panic in any situation, even when even when you feel you have things under control, once you step over that line and it becomes panic, then that's when all chaos breaks out. Because then you're not thinking clearly, you're not thinking straight, and you're not really paying attention to what you need to pay attention to. But if you can just stand back, and even like I said, just say the little things of, He said he would never leave me. He said no weapon that's formed against me can do anything to me. No one that says anything against me is going to have any harm to me. And yes, we know words can hurt your feelings. We know that. But if even with the hurt feelings, okay, so you have the hurt feelings and you have the fear. But still, still, out of all that, it can't hurt you. It's only hurting you because you're taking it in as, oh, I'm... It's personal to me, so I'm going to hold on to this, so I'm going to be hurt. If you take it and then throw it back, like, this is not me. I'm not keeping this. What you're saying about me is not me. I'm not accepting that because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not accepting that. What you're saying against me, that's not me. It turns your whole spirit around. It's only when you let it get into you and you let it fester and you let it sit that that's when it starts to take you over. And that's what you you can't allow. You can't allow it to take you over. So the way to combat fear is with faith. And we talked about faith from before. And that's believing in something that you know hasn't happened yet, but you know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Why? Because God said it was going to happen. I know that this speaking gig that I have right here on the radio, I know it's going to blow up to be more than this. I know this. Why? Because God told me it was. Because he told me that I was going to do greater things. He told me that this voice that I have, this ability to, when I speak, almost to mesmerize people because they want to hear what I have to say, that's just not by chance. He didn't just give that to me just so I could just just do it. He gave it to me for a purpose. And because now I'm walking in that purpose, I know. I know there's so much more for me. And once I keep believing that, that there is so much more for me, not knowing exactly what it is, 
not knowing exactly when it's going to come about, but the fact that I know that he has so much more for me. So when people say things, oh, you know what? She always got something to say. It's her opinion anyway. What makes her think what she says is so right? And you know what? To you, that's the truth. To you, that's the truth. Because maybe what I'm speaking about at the moment, it doesn't pertain to you. But I guarantee you, when it's time for me to speak into your life, you're going to receive it. You're going to receive it because it's going to be something that you're going to be looking for. So when I hear people, there have been people that told me when I'm talking to them, like, and this is what makes me laugh. This is what makes me laugh because they'll call me and they'll want to ask me, Keen, what do you think about blah, 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 blah. And then sometimes I'm like, hmm, should I give them off the top of my head, which will be my human response? Or is this really something deep that God, you know, do I need to speak into this? So in the beginning, when I first start talking, and this is how I, I gauge how I answer people now. Whereas here it is, another learning process. And he's taking me to another level with it. Before, when people used to call me and they would just start talking and they'd be like, oh, you know, what do you think about such, such, such? I would just automatically say, blah, 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 whatever it was that came out my mouth. Hold on. We have a caller. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Virginia lady. Virginia girl. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm so glad that you're covering this information, but I wanted to kind of give little, some little snippets about... Um, what you do to counteract and, and how do you respond and what the solution, because I've often ministered to some friends, Psalms 17 and 18, right? And mm-hmm. so as I give you a few little snippets, I know our time is short, just so that the people can be encouraged, because when you have the word or you can remember the word, you know that when you repeat it to yourself, it kind of brings you some authority and some power that you probably wouldn't have on your own. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in Psalm 17, 1, and I'm just going to kind of give you the, the, the scripture and then the, like a little snippet of the verse. So Psalm 17 and 1, listen while I build my case. Verse 3, go ahead, examine me inside and out. Verse 4 and 5, I'm not trying to get away with anything that the world is doing. Verse 6, I called out to you because I know you provide an answer. Verse 10 and 11, they're after me and they're nipping at my heels. So that's Psalm 17, and I kind of took it out of the Message Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So when we get to God, so we saw the problem in Psalm 17. So when you get to Psalms 18, verse 1, because you know that God's first, you, it, it start off with, I love you, God. You are my strength. Mm-hmm. You are my bedrock. So you recognize that God is always in charge and always in full control. Right. So now here we go. Here's the solution, and here's the response to the answer. Verse 3. I say to God, I need your help. I find myself saying, please save me. Verse 6. I call to God. I cried for help. He hears my call. Verse 7. The earth quakes because he of his rage. Smoke from his nostrils and fire spits out of his mouth. By the time we get to verse 15, it said God thunders out of heaven. Uh, he shoots arrows, and he reached out and pulls me out by verse 16. By verse 20, God made my life complete. By verse 43 to 48, you rescued me from my enemies. And by verse 50, it says, that's why I'm thanking God. So I said all that to say, when you have 
word or scripture underneath it, even in these times of pandemonium and pandemic, when you can read the scripture, even if you are not sure at the moment, when you read the scripture, it affirms your faith to give you the authority to say, well, if God came to see about me and he made everything all right, then that's the faith that I have to stand on. The fact that with my mouth, I will declare these things that God already wrote, and I should be in a better headspace. So I want to give you a little bit of pieces to the people for Psalm 17 and 18, along with all those other wonderful things. God is always and will remain in control. He said his word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and nothing should change except our faith and our stronger relationship with him. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you for that. Because like you said, I can give it, but then sometimes he'll put in your spirit something else that could encourage people. And I'm so glad that you called this morning with that. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, honey. I love what you're doing. Keep on doing it, girl. <laughs> you too, honey. Bye-bye. All right. Now see you soon. You see that? You see, she gave more words of encouragement. Psalm 17. Read those. Like we were say- like I said, I'm going to try every week to bring in something to help you guys to just hold on to it. And even if you just read on your own. And when, you, like I said, if you don't know where to start, if you don't know who he is, you start with John. You can read Ephesians. You can read um, Proverbs. If you read Proverbs, what I was telling you with Solomon, how he started out from the beginning and how he just went and was just living such a lavish life and just doing everything. And at the end, he came up with the whole ecclesiastic, the whole thing. He came up with, you know, all this was for nothing because it was God who he was searching for the whole time. So if we just pick up, if you don't know where to start, if you just pick up the book, you don't have to start with Genesis. Everybody thinks you have to read the Bible like it's if it's a novel. You got to start from the first page and then read it all the way to the end. You can do that if you want. It gives you a start because it tells you in the beginning how he formed the whole foundation of the earth and Adam and the garden. And you can start there, but sometimes you just need to open and just get a scripture to pop out at you. And when you get that scripture to pop out at you, then that's maybe that's what he's trying to tell you at the moment. But it all starts with wanting to believe. You have to want to believe first off. And when you do believe, know that what he says, his word is true. Like the caller said, his word is true. He's in control. Everything he speaks in that book, everything that he said in that Bible is true and it will come to pass. Believe it. It will come to pass. But look at this. My time has grown short. This was a lovely conversation we had, and I just want to leave you with this. This is 2 Peter 1, 5, and 8. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without the reward 
as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. Obvious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. With that, stay safe, stay healthy, be blessed, be a blessing to someone until we meet again, God willing. And I'm going to leave you with this song.